Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and as always, Mr. Nathan Doyle. Well, the Dundalk management team rumour mill has been spinning again. One minute it's David Healy, next it's Vinnie Peart, then Jim McGilton gets the job, and all of a sudden then Vinnie Peart is back in with a chance. Nathan, what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone knows, Roy. We haven't a clear what's going on. Now, in fairness, well, look, let's just get our, our salt shakers out and take this with a pinch of salt because today it's looking like uh, Jim and Jensen will be staying on as a manager this season with uh, Dave Rogers coming in as his assistant. Obviously, any League of Ireland fan would know Dave. He's played for Jesus, so many teams in the league. You know, with like Shells, Derry, Patsport, Spingol, Cork, Limerick, Monaghan, Bowles, even had a spell at them, Doc. So, you know, he's well-travelled uh, around the league itself. So, this is a man that, like I said, plenty of experience in the league. Went off when he retired uh, in coaching. He was involved with the Liverpool Academy system. He even had a spell as assistant manager uh, for, the, for the Indian national team. So, he's, he's back living in Dundalk now after a coaching spell in America. So, yeah, that's, what, that's the one today. Anybody that's looking at Jim and Ginger will stay on as the manager with Dave Rogers as his assistant. Vinnie Pearce, that name hasn't gone away either, you know. This is a man that's not that long ago seemed destined to return uh, to Dundalk. Still had a close relationship with the chairman and the club itself. And even held discussions over the job. So that's, that's another name that's, that's just not going away uh, at all. I know we talked about Vinnie and the team, he just isn't a place for him in the league. But yeah, he, he seems adamant that he, he wants to go back to Dundalk and, and try it again. Do you look at Dundalk and say Jim Jilton is starting to turn things around or do you see any improvement? Not particularly, not on a consistent basis, no. When I actually think Dundalk fans will be a little bit disappointed with this news. I thought when the whole man, this, this, all this management shake-ups back, back in April, I think they would have been looking for, you know, probably a high-profile enough name within the league itself. And I, and I think this was... I know there's talk of that, that Dundalk itself is going to be going through uh, budget cuts in the next while that a couple of players will leave uh, in July when that window opens up. So I think from a, from a Dundalk's uh, point of view, this seems to be the, the short term and, and cheap option just to keep them around at the moment. But now to answer your question, I, I didn't see much of a consistent change. You know, the performances have been really lackluster probably decides the Shamrock Rovers uh, victory that's the one that's going to stand out for yeah consistency is key with these sort of teams and I've just not seen it so far Okay well this weekend Dundalk are playing another shaky club Waterford and again Lee Power Waterford's owner has decided to sell his shares he's gone is this good news or just a bit of a false dawn? I think if you're a Waterford fan you'll be you would have, first of all, you, you probably would have been a little bit surprised. You know, maybe the writing was on the wall a little bit with, with Lee Power, but just, uh, you know, these are sort of new stories you hear for weeks, don't you? You hear rumours and whispers of what happened. But for me, anyway, I might be wrong on this one, but this is definitely one that, well, it didn't take me by surprise the timing of it did and, and how quickly it happened to you. Yeah, like like you said, Lee Power sold 100% of the club's shares to R&S Holding Limited. 
they were a UK-based company headed up by businessman Richard Forrest. So it's it's one of them, you know. I, I was reading a statement by by uh, the new owner uh, Richard Forrest, and again saying a lot of good things. You know, he's saying he wants to improve relations with the fans, with local businesses, and the local community. That he wants to bolster the underage system. These are all things, you know, that you like to hear. But at the end of the day, they're just words with no meaning. So. Well, Waterford fans would be happy to see the back of Lee Power, you know. And you, you can't forget, he came in with a lot of te- enthusiasm. And, you know, with a decent amount of funds, but it's just gone very sour, hasn't it? Or, or probably you could go back to 2019 when they came through that uh, rebranding issue that, that made that denied them a place in the Europa League that, that they patched this into. So I think ever since then, and, and Lee Power even mentioned that in his statement leaving the club, that there was a bit of a bitter taste in his mouth and you couldn't really go on like things were normal. And you, you, I can obviously add on things with the breakdown in communications with Alan Reynolds that was, that was completely wrong on his point of view. So you can't only blame it on the situation with the Europa League. But it's just been one thing after another. And even since Alan Reynolds has left, he's gone through five mandos now at this stage. So there's definitely, you know, there's a sense that if the club needed new blood, they have that now and a new manager. Like I said before, is an extremely likeable character. He seems to be there for the genuine reasons, um, unlike others uh, over the past couple of months or even the past couple of years. So, yeah, it's it's definitely one that you'll be holding your, your breath with and you'll have to sort of wait for results to see what to do. But in terms of the guy, you know, he, he's willing to put his money, uh, his own money forward and he's been saying the right things in the early days. He did say the right things in the early days, but what, the likes of John Sheridan and I suppose then Kevin Sheedy, it just sort of fell apart and do you think that he went in with all the enthusiasm in the world and then looking back at it that he, he just got I suppose he just gave up and it kind of looked like that at the start of this season like this season has been a disaster starting the season it just looked like he gave up and, and maybe he should have gone miles earlier than he has Yeah it's always, it always strange when he came in you know I've seen the world uh, vanity project be thrown around and I'm not too sure about that I think his intentions and like I said his enthusiasm might have been in the very place when he first came in but then you, you look at the back end of his managerial style and there was lots of it was himself and Bundark it was every week there was rumours coming out you know we look at Waterford and there was talk of infighting disciplinary issues with Ryan Murphy uh, system manager and um, Ural was kicking off over it's the colour of tape some players got and it just seemed to be an absolute mess in the world goal and which is a shame to see you know I know you wouldn't yourself you're not the biggest fan of Waterford this season but I think they're okay and I think there's some talent in that squad you know I don't want to talk to you but you know, we talked about them enough to, to get a fear for it but you know there's some good lads there you know and I, I just think he made that bit of guidance that his new manager yeah, might avoid but they're in a serious sticky situation and it's already you can see it's going to be themselves and Longford down in the bottom tier when the, the games are going to be coming thick and fast and they're going to have to start fighting to get themselves out of that relegation position because even the likes of Derry City have improved since uh, Rory Higgins have come in so they don't want to be finding themselves too far adrift uh, too early on. Yeah, well, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they get on. I do, I hope they do well, I, I really do, but at the, at the way they've just started the season, behind the scenes, not, a, not alone on the pitch, has just been a disaster and, and you you know, you get what you deserve sometimes in this game and, and, and it just seems to be that way. So, yeah, let's hope there's a, a, a new beginning for Waterford and uh, they need to hit the ground running if they want to make sure this season doesn't escape them. Okay, 
first look at a campaign of the Saving Tolka Park group. Yeah, it's um, we've been actually waiting on this a while, haven't we? we we've been chatting about these, these guys now for a couple of weeks and it was a sort of difficulty, you know, you know, probably to, to raise any major points about it because we did not read what the plans were, but yeah, like I said, we got the first look and they're going for a community centre uh, facility for Tolka Park. You know, they're going to be looking at a refurbished ground but also admin local uh, amenities, you know, the likes of creches, gyms, cafes, these sort of things. Uh, it looks good, in fairness, it really does. And I know you always will be a fan of these sort of plans, you know. I think the uh, the community-based uh, stadiums are the, are the way to go, you know. Again, we've seen it with St. Pat's, and you do, we have to have the backing of, you know, the, the city council and, and a lot of other uh, authorities, so it can be quite difficult to do, but... On the surface of things, yeah, they're, they're really, really, uh, really just probably the good way to go with it in the league itself. Like we've seen along with the Save Tulsa Park campaign, over uh, 3,000 people have signed a petition uh, to stop the Dublin, the Dublin City Council selling uh, Tulsa itself. So, you know, there's definitely back and behind it, but not only fans of shells, but people in the local area and local authorities. So, it's yeah. It's, again, we've only got a first look here. Um, but actually, what we're talking about, I'm going to encourage people to to go on. Uh, I suppose the podcast is going to it goes out on a Thursday, so this Thursday coming at seven o'clock, go on to say Polka Park social media pages because there's going to be um, an online event where the campaign like they're going to pretty much lay all the cards on the table. Like if they're going to give the, the plans full in, in detail and explain. The, the funding behind it, the finance behind it, because that's a big question as well, isn't it? These plans are great, and, and in theory, these plans are brilliant, but you, you need to know where's the funding coming from because you, you can't just keep some plans in place for having no sort of good backing behind it. So, yeah, if, if anyone has any interest, check out say, Polka Park at 7 o'clock uh, on Thursday and they get a good look. Eamon Dunphy is, is going to be on the stream too, chatting about it. and yeah, it could be interesting to see because myself, like I said, I, I still have questions around it where like Dublin City Council don't seem to be willing to be changing their plans fully uh, in terms of the daily amount of redevelopment. Uh, Shelbourne as well haven't made a comment yet, so it'll be interesting to see what, what sort of side they fall on. And yeah, the, the big one has been there's been no actually in, investor or, or no talk of where that money is coming from at the moment. Yeah, you have taken a couple of questions away from me there. So that's that's just super, <laughs> Nathan. Uh, no, yeah, no, Dublin County Council still feel that there it's has to be part of the Daily Mount Park redevelopment. And also, as you said, Shelbourne haven't said a word. So are they even behind this? We haven't, we don't know. We don't know what Shelbourne are, are, are thinking behind this. It's just something that the fans don't want to let go and... Uh, yeah, no, it's going to be really interesting to, to see where it goes. Do you know, I heard that the, the land, the Tolka Park land is already sold. Have you heard that? Oh, I, I've, I've heard both. I, I've heard people saying it is and it isn't. And that's going to be another major issue too. And just again, yeah, there seems to be a lot of confusion around, around it uh, altogether because there's a lot of speculation, like you said, about, about the, the land itself or even going back to shells, you know, like, like what... What side are they going to fall on? Would they? Do you think like, it's, it's like Shelburne will want to publicly come out and go against you know a campaign like say Park that's that, you know being ran by passionate fans? So you know you probably don't want to be going against them either. But you, you definitely can see the benefit with Shelburne uh, 
going into Daily Man Park, you know, like the, 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 the club, not the fans, the club is getting fans spanking new stadium and it's getting on top, top of the range for this league. It's going to be not only the stadium, but the surrounding area. So you, you can see why they're, um, the Shells might be, and that's only speculation on my end, why Shells might not be too quick to come out and publicly back, back the uh, Fair Talk of Fire campaign. Well, it's going to be an interesting one and uh, I'm looking to, looking forward to seeing how it develops. I mean, personally, yeah. oh, you'd love to see Talca Park refurbished. You'd love to see as many stadiums yeah. get refurbished and because uh, it's in a community that love their football, so you'd really love to see that yeah. there. I'm a little bit disappointed with the Daily Mount Park. 6,000 capacity. I think it's poor. If you're having two clubs, I mean, you need a 10,000 seater at least. I just think 6,000 isn't good enough. But there you go that's what's on the table so there's nothing we can do about that but yeah it'd be interesting to see now if that comes from the Talca Park just, thing just, just to, to throw one out here as well like and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer with these sort of things you know like I said I'm the, I'm the same boat as yourself I'd love to see Talca Park getting getting no refurbished because it's just a history that's there as well and for the fans you know you can sympathise with them why you don't want to leave but we've just with, you know we've seen things like this fall by the wayside I know everything is different but you think you'd ever come to a stage where both of them could fall by the wayside, you know, where the Daily Mount redevelopment might not go ahead and Tolka Park will just be left the way it is. Would you ever see that sort of uh, coming to a head? Yeah, anything's possible. You know, you've seen these things before. I do I do have more confidence in the Daily Mount Park thing being completed. I just think that they need to do something in the area. They've put a lot of talk behind it. They've put money now behind it. A million quid has already gone into it. So, that's why I just think the Talca Park thing is, is it's it's key to getting money in behind that project. So if if that doesn't doesn't sell, if they're trying to refurbish it, I think one will definitely knock the other. So I'm I'm the saving Talca Park thing. I, I don't I just don't know if that's going to work. Um, again, as you said, love to have two stadiums there, but I'm not sure that that's going to be the way. So anyhow, let's let's see what way it starts to develop and and. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully that they, like, you've seen it over in, in Milan. I know it's a different size now, but you've seen it with the likes of Inter Milan. And they did it all over Italy, Torino and Juventus and all. They all shared stadiums and there was no problem. Again, I'm just disappointed at Daily Mount getting only 6,000 seats. I think that, you know, when you look at the league, you look at Rovers, you look at, you know, Sligo, Dundalk. They're bringing bigger crowds now, so I just thought the ten thousand would have been the number, and I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that Bows and, and Shells have accepted six thousand. I just think that they're it's a little bit of desperation just to have it rejuvenated because it does. It isn't an, an eyesore when you look around the stadium. One side is 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 decent, and then the rest of it is not, and it looks like this. Well, yeah, we'll take this because. It'll, it'll look well, but I just think that the 6,000 isn't enough. I, I, I feel the 10,000 would have been perfect. Anyhow, we'll move on from that and we'll see how that develops. No doubt we'll be talking about it again. Before we go into the weekend's games, we did have a game during the week. Ireland played Hungary uh, in Hungary. Nathan, what was your thoughts on the game? A nil-nil draw. Uh, I kind of, kind of predicted a nil-nil draw. I mean, we don't have the firepower. They don't have the firepower. And that showed. Yeah, it was... Um I, I, I thought it was positive. I, I did, you know, and that could be probably coming from a place where, in, in just over the past while, we've seen uh, Ireland fail to beat the likes of Qatar and Luxembourg. So, you know, there was, there was definitely more positive to take out than negative. I thought, um, 
some of the young lads coming up while they're not going to be the answer. It's, it's a little bit more exciting, you know, like we've seen Troy Parra play brilliantly against Andorra. He's a little bit quieter here today. Um, Adam Eder, I was really impressed by. Uh, two goalkeepers, uh, Bazunio and Kelleher, both pulled off crack and saves uh, during the both 45 minutes we were playing effectively. So, yeah, there's definitely some positives to take away from it. Um, with the, the individual performances more, more so than anything else. We still, like you said, going forward, we didn't really create answer too much. You know, we've hit the crossfire, but a lot of it's more so from step players with like Eden and Duffy coming up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's going to be the issue. And I think that's going to be the issue for a world going forward is not only the lack of goals, but the, the lack of creativity to set those goals up. So, yeah, that's that's the one, uh, the one negative. That's not only from this game, but it's just just a product of the Ireland squad probably ever since the like Robbie Keane uh, retired. Yeah, well, there's nothing we can do about that. That's the whole thing. We have yeah. the squad that we have. So I, I would never, I, I, I still think Stephen Kenny's the right man for the job. I still think he's doing yeah. doing a, a good job. I don't care what anyone else says. I think he's getting the, the, the shape right. He's getting the morale right. He's getting the togetherness in the team. He hasn't got the strength uh, on uh, up front. I don't agree with you when, and I heard someone else today say the exact same thing about uh, Adam Eda playing well. I don't. I didn't think he played well. I thought he lost the ball far too much in the first half. The ball was bouncing off him and not sticking. You need it needs to stick. You need to be better up front to holding that ball up. Troy Parrott never really got into the game. He kept dropping far too deep. So like our front two we have two up front and I just didn't think they worked at all I hope they work and I hope they do score goals and, and there is there is talent in them so you give that time but I did in that particular game I just didn't think they did great uh, I thought McLean did well on the left he raided down the left got whipped in some great crosses he, he's defending well he's not rash I, I, I actually thought he, he was a plus point where on the other side, Matt Doherty is... I've yet to see Matt Doherty play a really, really good game for Ireland. And yeah. I just don't see him. Yeah. Like, how many times can you remember him bombing down the right-hand side and whipping crosses in? He just seems a little bit, for me, and I don't know if this is something to do with the Spurs thing, a little bit disinterested. There's something not right there with Matt Doherty at the moment. He's not firing like he did at Wolves. And I really hope that he gets the, this bit of time off now and that he comes back firing uh, for Spurs. Duffy in centre-back thought was excellent. It was great to see him back to yeah. his normal self. John Egan is good. I think, I, I generally think, like the midfield grouping, I thought were decent. Um, I do think there's something about us now. I do think that we're, we're getting somewhere. I just think that maybe the resources might kill us that we, you know, to when we look at the, Europe, or the World Cup qualifier games, Serbia, Azerbaijan and Portugal to start us off, do we have the firepower to go and, and win these games? Not really. And it's very hard to see us qualify and it looks like we're building up towards a Euros. Yeah, it's it's definitely one uh, one got launched and going forward. As I say, I was surprised, uh, I don't know about yourself, but boy, this is probably actually another case of, of Jack Bourne now. There's another player we're going to be want to see more of but I'm surprised to see it's such a lack of Jamie McGuire over the two games I must say because probably coming into, into this he's uh, one of fixtures he's probably the most informed player that, that was available for selection Yeah I'm I'm not sure why he didn't play I'm not sure why he didn't yeah. get more like I suppose game yeah, time you think he would have Yeah he played about 9 or 8 minutes against Andorra and that was it Yeah I, it, like it was it, it is a strange one <laughs> 
maybe it's just introducing them to the squad. Listen, this is it. Yeah. I've had these other players. These are the ones that I've been trusting. You're coming in. Show me what you can do. Earn my trust. And, you know, uh, we'll see how it gets on then when it comes around to the to the next games. The thing is now, there's not as many friendlies anymore. So you're kind of throwing the people in who are in form. I mean, that's the way Southgate is doing it with England. And I think he's bang on. And I think he's the right way to do it. Play the players who are in form. If you're not in form, you don't play. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's always uh, one of those. I just think it was important that this is now he's gone through his first uh, batch of international games without getting a defeat. Like you said, now you, you can sort of, you can feel a bit of a, little bit of a difference. Not not major, you know, not, not a huge difference. And it is going to take a, a, a good while, like you said, that they're probably looking past the World Cup now and looking towards the next European qualifier. So it's definitely warm, but I, I'm in the same boat as you. It's, I, I really don't imagine why anyone would think Stephen Kenny is doing a bad job. It's, he, he saw that he, that's what he has now, you know, and, and I don't think anybody could have came and, and done a better job. But not even away from that. No, I'm enjoying that. You know, since the Ireland games are becoming better to watch, and, and that's something we, we've asked for, for a long time now. And, you know, the seems to be decent players coming to the midfield, uh, with Jason Knight and, and Josh Cullen from me, I was impressed over two of the games. I thought Cullen. Uh, done particularly well so to see these lads coming through you know it, it's always nice to see yeah like, these guys coming up it, it's just it's, like, it's going to take a while it's, it's going to be important to see how get on a club level too they need to be playing on a regular basis like going back to Josh Cullen seeing him getting a move over to uh, Anderlecht these things are, they're important just to see them coming up you know because you do need it you know and we even go back a couple of months ago when we were talking about someone like Aaron Connolly and even Oda Femi and we're going to get on to players that, that we'd like to see move on but it's, it can be difficult for them, you know, to come in at the international level and expect them to do much if they're not playing on a regular basis. And you could probably actually throw Matt Doherty into that conversation too because I, I agree with you that ever since he went to sports and it's on the thin tape for Ireland, there just seems to be a, a lack of interest, a lack of sort of intensity about them. And, you know, we need our players to be playing on a consistent basis at club level and at a decent level too. So let's keep this conversation flowing, Nathan, with the Irish team while we have them on. What players do need a move? When you look at them, there's, uh, we said about Matt Doherty, Matt Doherty, does he need a move or does he just need a new manager to come in now and spark that life back into him? If I was Doherty, I'd say tough on now. You know, I think of Jose was still at the club. You'd, you'd sort of think he stays in numbers a little bit. It just never seems to be fancy since Mourinho went in. I think it'd be interested to see what a new manager does come in and, and what sort of system he plays because Matt Doherty is a, is a Fine, fine boy back. You know, we've seen him at Wolves and he was excellent at, at the end. So, you know, there's a cracking player in there. But, yeah, they're just, you know, watching him it can be a bit disappointing because, you know, he was the ideal replacement for Shane Coleman. You know, Coleman's getting on now in years. He, 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 who even knows? What, again, only speculating. They could come to a stage where everything could have to have a conversation with him and say, you know, if, if you want to continue with your club career for the next couple of years, you might have to knock the international games on the head. So, you know, it was it was good to see someone like that be being there as a suitable replacement. But like I said, going forward, he's, he's just been it's been a shame to, to watch him. But even defensively for me, you know, his positioning was, was questionable for the two games for certain spells. And yeah, so someone like that, I'd like to see him stay at Tottenham at the moment and just see what the new, sort of new manager comes in and what sort of system uh, that, that he goes with. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, the couple. Um, I think John Egan's one as well. I'd like to see John Egan get enough. Um, at Sheffield United now, he's, he's 
they've they gotten relegated down to the championship. I think some of the Johnny Egan has far too good to be playing in the championship. I know he struggled with injuries towards the back end of last season, but you know, you could look at the likes of a, of a Burnley, or even Brighton, you know, there's a lot of talk of Ben White is going to be leaving there, so there could be a, a, a centre-back vacancy that they'd be looking for. So yeah, I'd like to see Johnny Egan stay in the Premier League. I, I think he's far too good to, to drop down. What about Kevin Long? He's been with Burnley an awful long yeah. time. He's not getting the game time that he really, really deserves there. Is it time for him to start looking elsewhere? Yeah, I think he could be another one, you know. And I fair to the guy, you know, like, like Burnley have Ben Mee and, and uh, Tarkovsky there, uh, just well settled in them to extend back position. So, you know, yeah, Kevin Long, he won. You could even look at the one lad, Jimmy Dunn, coming up at Burnley to extend the half, you know, he could be another one that. Probably not now, he's still only, I think he's only a teenager, so it's, it might be too quick for him. He could probably stick around and who knows where the other two yeah, could head off it in the next couple of years. But yeah, Kevin Long is another one that you'd like to see move on. Because um, he's, he's gone past the age of, you know, of a prospect. This, this is a player that, that is going to be coming into the prime of his career, so he's going to want to be spending them playing on a regular basis. And that can only benefit Ireland as well because. In fairness, you know, a centre-back options aren't too bad. Like I said, Egan, Duffy, uh, Damo O'Shea, a good versatile player. So if you have Kevin Long in there too, you know, it's, an, it's another good option for uh, Stephen Kenny to have. Now, Stephen Kenny seems to be moving away from the old guard and bringing in the youth. The likes of Hendricks, who went to Newcastle, I never thought was a good move for him. Um, I didn't think it was a good move for Newcastle, to tell you the truth. And Jeff Hendricks hasn't really produced up there does he need a move? And look at Robbie Brady. He's after being let go by Burnley. Where can he go and spark his career? I mean, I think he's only 29 still, so there's still years left in yeah. the two of them. Yeah, I agree with you. I never got the, the, the Hendricks move to Newcastle. I, it, it didn't work out. It never looked like it was going to work out. But Brady being interesting, more so of an interesting one. Like I said, because he's been around so long, you tend to think that now he, he, he's, he's getting on, but he's, he's in the point of his career. They're looking at his age. So, no, it's, it's probably disappointing one because you look back to the, everyone's going to talk about the goal he scored against, against Italy um, but ever since then he probably hasn't really produced anything he's put a green short on on a regular basis he, like, it's probably actually going to contradict myself because I was saying that I would like to see Ireland players play at, at the top level that he could but I think someone like Brady could be literally dropped down to the championship and you know he, he could go into, into a club there and, and play on a regular basis because I really couldn't see a place from at any side in the Premier League and I'd throw the newly promoted teams into that, into that statement as well. Okay. Who else have we got? Adam Eder, we're happy enough with him oh, he, with Norwich, aren't we? Uh, he, he should. It all depends on what Norwich do. Yeah. Norwich normally don't splash out when they come up. No, not really. No, I, I think he'd be... He'd, he'd, and because now he has an extra year of under his belt, you know, we know he was in and out a little bit. He was in, in his younger days uh, when he was in the Premier League uh, last time out. So they yeah, could be looking at Adam that he could be playing a, a bit more of a, of a bigger part than what he was. Uh, actually, what I want to throw out here, and we've been talking about players, you know, in the Premier League, but this is a player I'd like to see new books in League One, even to the Championship. And it's uh, Ronan Cortes. I'd, I'd like to see Ronan Cortes get, get away from Portland now. He's been there for three years in League One. Portman obviously failed to, uh, to get promoted last season. Talk of, you know, Blackburn, Redden, Derby County are even interested in signing them. So, yeah, I'd like to see Ron McCord to go up to the, up to the championship. I, I think it could be a decent level for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd, like, I'd love to see him go up. Again, he's another player for Ireland that I haven't seen much from. 
as in I haven't been overly impressed with his performances for Ireland so far yeah I, I mean if you're doing it at club level you get the move but for Ireland I just haven't seen him and I don't get to see uh, I don't get to see him at club level enough so it would probably be unfair to, to look at his, his his Ireland career so far under the circumstances and, and how everything has gone so um, but yeah I'd love to see him go up I'd love to see him improve and, and make it into the championship I mean the championship no matter what people say is a big league so it, there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with having your players coming playing in the championship half playing the championship half playing in the premiership or whatever because it's a good level of a league and even another one actually just try out here. Probably more of a general one than anything else. But you know, you, you see a lot of people when, the, when there's some younger players that you know they're at the age 19, 20 that they need to be playing, uh, need to be in the first team, and, and they have to be. And you know, Michael O'Defendi is a, is a perfect man. You know, he's at Southampton there now, and I know he, he's another player that struggled with injuries uh, of late. But you now, what does he do? Does, does he stick around? Would you like to see him stick around at, at his club and you know fight it out for? Or a fourteen place in the Premier League team, or do you think it'd just be not easier, but it probably could be better for his progression to drop down into the Championship or, or to a, a lower league uh, Premier Division side? Because if you look at Southampton, you know Danny Yings, if he stays, who knows? Shay Adams, the hot and cold, but they seem to fancy him, and even Minamino that, that came in on loan from Liverpool, you know that's made into a Premier deal. Is there a place for someone like uh, Femi there at Southampton? No. I think is the answer because who are we going to put? Are you going to put Danny Ings on the bench? I, I don't see that happening. Danny Ings scores goals. Oh, the family doesn't. So unless you're using them in a different role, you have to score goals. You're a striker. You have to score goals, you know, and he, he's not doing that. So, yeah, no, I I think he needs to look somewhere else and he needs to go somewhere and, you know, bang the goals in somewhere because we have too many centre forwards who just aren't scoring enough goals. So if you're going to be yeah. a centre forward who doesn't score many goals, you're not going to get many games. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's one thing we don't need is a busy centre forward. And again, I put Aaron Connolly into that conversation, you know, and from I've seen him at international level on a regular basis, it's just the killer instinct isn't there. It's a lot of nice movement and somebody off the ball, so it, it can be pretty to watch at times. But that's not what we're crying out for, you know. It's just you said it and we're going to say it till the cows come home it's a goal score you know is he more and of a winger do you think do you think you could see Conley yeah. as a, a, in a front three rather than you know even in a front two but on his own I just don't see it and I'd put a lot of people that we just talked about into that category you know I'd put Conley there uh, out of any ground of course is another one that you know you put out that maybe as a central strider it's just not that game it's, you just seem to get isolated and, and lost a lot and yeah, that's a big issue. You know, Sean McGuire, probably another one, he, you know, he, he's got a regular basis at League of Ireland level, but it, it seems to be, you know, when he's just left up, up top in his own, it's just something that he, he doesn't seem overly comfortable with. James McCarthy hasn't got a club, has he? Yeah, yeah, because Palace, a lot, a lot uh, uh, mountains of people go, so yeah, he, he will be one of them. And I'm not, like, again, I think McCarthy would be one of them that, well, you know, he has a little bit about him and the, the injuries are a big issue. It wouldn't be someone that I'd be crying out to have it in the team, you know, especially now with, like I said, Jason Knight, uh, Cullen, uh, Malumbi coming in. Like, hold a hand, another cousin for me in the midfield. He was, I don't want to be going off topic, but just because I mentioned him there, but 
No, we had a lot of people talking about how good he is and set pieces, but deliveries in against uh, Hungry were business. They were so, you know, that's another one that, yeah, yeah that's another totally. one that you, you, you throw in. So, yeah, McCarthy, yeah, he wouldn't be someone I'd be crying out for, I have to be honest. I'd, I'd put him in the category of, of Jeff Hendricks. Or, no, but he definitely needs somewhere to, he needs it somewhere he's going to oh, play because otherwise he's not getting in that Irish team. If you're not playing, you're not at the top of your game. So he definitely needs somewhere to, to go. And as you said yourself, there's nothing wrong with going into the championships and starting again. No, nothing at all. And he's only 40 as well. You know, this is probably another player that he's been around for so long. You might think he's in early to, to mid-twenties or thirty. sorry so yeah it, it, it can't be um, a difficult one because like I said there's, there's some decent young lads coming up in that midfield so if he was to you know the draft of him they would not get picked up but he would just go into a club and be sitting on the bench and not playing regular football or he does pick up an injury now that, that could probably sell time for, for his Ireland career really could be. yeah okay let's have a look at the League of Ireland fixtures this weekend you've got Derry City against Bowes a lot more interesting game now this one Derry City in good form um, yeah, that, that'll be a good game there's no early game now because uh, of Watch LOI's disappearance so at the earliest game I think it's half seven it's Bray and Shells Dundalk against Waterford in the Premier Division Shamrock Rovers against Finn Harps that'll be an interesting game as Adam Foley and Dara said you know Rovers just they have the squad they have the team they're, they've got the quality of player. It's it's a game that, that no one's gonna want to not not that they're gonna don't want to play it, but they know they're gonna be in for a tough game. So um Finn Harps there have it all to do. Um on the Saturday Longford play St. Pat's. Uh, it should be three points for St. Pat's, should it? You like to think so, yeah. You would. Uh, and we badly need it too. Such a, a bad result. Uh, before the break against Dundalk so yeah it would be badly needed like it, 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 the sea here would be disastrous for the morale around the club and in the fan base and yeah I would like to see and I'd like to see a, a, a decent performance as well because while we talked about Pat's got up such a good start uh, results and performance wise they've dropped off in the past number of weeks so now, like, I would like to go out and see a comprehensive win to see a decent performance hopefully see Chris Forrest I get amongst it again he's another lad that you know Dropped off in the past uh, week or two. You don't want to be too harsh at Chris. He's been probably really tired and past that player this season. So, yeah, uh, me personally, just to get that boost again, I'd like to say a decent game here, and it, and it should be. They want to have any chance of doing anything this year. This the yeah, game they definitely. have to be winning, isn't it? Okay, and the game yeah, of the yeah, weekend yeah. in the Premier Division then is Sligo against Drogheda, and that's on at a quarter to eight on Saturday night. For the first division, Nathan, I'll go through them quickly and you just tell me uh, after I've gone through them what sort of stands out for you. Cork are home to Cabin Healy, Wexford are home to Treaty, Galway are home to Athlone, UCD are home to Cove. Every week, you know, we're, we're getting games thrown up to us in the fourth division, and they're just absolutely note walking. I, I wish I had more boys to watch it, to be honest with you, because, you know, Ray and Shares is the obvious one, isn't it? You know, any time it's Ray, um, it's, it's I've been really disappointing this season, just sitting down in sixth, and, and Shares are starting to look a little bit comfortable top of the table, but in the Carlisle ground, you know, could it be not an upset, but it could definitely, it could certainly shake things up a little bit, couldn't it, if, you know, with if Gray can take something off shells, you have UCD are playing Cove at home, which you imagine is, is, is one of the games. Athlone and Galway and Athlone as well. Who knows? If, you could actually put that in the same category as uh, Shells and Gray. Athlone are doing pretty well. They're sitting in, in the top three. Galway have been really underwhelming. So 
yeah, just three games there. It'll be very exciting to see. Yeah, and uh, I, I can't wait now to see the games again because just that little bit of a break now and you've the dust has settled. Everyone's had a good look at each other now and it'll be interesting to see does that little break benefit the likes of, you, as we said, Longford, Waterford and uh, now as well Galway United in the first division who we expect a lot more from and we haven't seen that. So hopefully now we'll see a little bit more from these teams after the break. Nathan, Thanks very much for your time and we'll talk to you next week and everyone who's listening, thank you.